This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Before we get into today's episode, we would like to acknowledge and pay respects to the Wondery people of the Kulin Nation who are the traditional owners of this land. We pay our deepest respects to the elders, past and present, and to the next generation who we hope to create a different future for. The best career advice that you are not getting is to invest. Hello and welcome to Your In Good Company, a podcast that makes investing accessible for everyone. I'm Maddie Guest and as always I'm in some very good company with my co-host Sophie Dicker. How are we Maddie Guest today? Good, guess what? What? It is four and a half weeks till Christmas. (laughs) Are you one of those people that like counts down the days? It is like undoubtedly my favourite time of year so you can get every episode between now and Christmas there will probably be an update on the countdown. I'm already listening to Christmas carols. Yeah. And I watch Love Actually on the weekend. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Classic. What's your favourite Christmas carol? I'm a Buble fan. Mm, love. I love all Buble. Oh, you so are. What's that? It reminds me of um, your... The, what do you want to call your dog again? Pablo. Pa- yeah. Why does that remind I don't know. Buble, my... Pablo. <laughs> it's so good. I'll be home for Christmas. Mine is Santa Tell Me, Ariana Grande. Is that like Santa oh, Tell Me? If you really oh, That's so, so you. Oh, that's so good. Honestly, I feel like I put it on when I was driving the other day and you could not wipe the smile off my face. I also feel like I'm really into the old classics, like yeah. the, none of the remixy Justin oh, Bieber stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, they real get me going. Beautiful. The Broke Generation <laughs> did a money financial calendar. What are they called? Christmas calendars. Oh. Um, Advent calendars. Advent calendars. And she was comparing all the most expensive ones, which is really funny, like oh, I Hermes. Saw and, this. Yeah, and now yeah. she's made one for finances. Has she? So if you're really into Christmas and you're really sorting out your finances. Oh my God, how cool. I'm going to go check it out. I know. We should do a little Christmas one day, uh, eat a chocolate. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like so it. I could think of. <laughs> okay, so yesterday I was reading the paper. Go, girl. As I do in the morning at work. I sit there for like a good half an hour with a coffee. <laughs> nice. like, I'm not working yet. That's I'm a nice read. ritual. It is a nice ritual. But I read this article. Well, there was actually like, what do you call it? Clickbait. There was a clickbait oh, yeah. article Headline. that had my attention and it yeah. said, five expert tips on where the bottom is Oof. and what to buy. And you're Love like, it. like, if you saw that article, you'd yeah. be like, click. Absolutely. <laughs> So I thought I read through the article and there were some really good lessons in there, all quite diverse lessons and some I had never thought of. So I thought maybe let's run through the lessons from the experts and kind of give our thoughts. I love it. So of course, this is not financial advice. This is us just chatting about investing and what we've read. But in this article, there were five different experts that gave their opinions or tips, I guess, to finding the bottom. So... It's the experts are listening to. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so the first lesson was from a guy called Adrian Martuccio. Love it. From Bell Street Asset Management. And his lesson was chip away and look at mid 
to small cap stocks. So before we jump into it, can you define what like a mid cap stock is? Yeah, so it refers to market capitalization, which is the number of shares that uh, a company has times a share price. Yeah. So I can't actually remember. Do you know what range like a mid cap technically is in I terms think of it's dollar value? Something. It's still massive. It's still something like two billion to ten billion. Nice. And people talk about sort of, I guess, diversifying the market caps in your portfolio. Yes. Because you're giving exposure to different types of companies, big companies, medium companies and small companies that I guess can all sort of perform differently in different market conditions, right? Yeah, and I think the lesson that he was trying to say was you can look at these big companies because, you know, they might be a little bit safer or you might think they're a little bit safer, but the mid-cap range is really special at a time like this because there's room for growth Often management are quite attached to the company because it's a bit of a smaller company, even though like two billion is mm, still massive. feels like a lot. <laughs> yeah. And as you said, you can find that diversification. So instead of just got having all in your portfolio these big companies, you kind of bring in a new element of size. Yeah. And I think it's quite interesting as well because I think in that range you have a lot of sort of owner-led companies. You have a lot of people yeah. who are really sort of invested in growing these businesses, which especially in Australian landscape, a lot of the times these are the companies that we interact with on a really regular basis that we might not even realize are actually listed. Yeah, and I did a little bit of digging because I was like, okay, you're telling me because he wrote in the article that mid-caps have outperformed historically during times of volatility. Right. So I had a little Google to be like fact-checked because I didn't see any data. In the article. <laughs> so I looked it up and it's actually true, which wow. is <laughs> why do you sound so surprised? <laughs> so over the a five-year period, these mid caps on the ASX have actually returned about 15%, whereas the large caps were sitting around the 8% mark. Oh. Which is kind of makes sense because when you look at like the big indexes, they say they return like eight to ten percent a year. Yeah. And they're usually comprised of a lot of the larger cap stocks. And I guess the other thing that I would sort of add on to that is when you take on greater risk, which you sort of are when you're investing in smaller companies because they're not as big and perhaps not as stable, when you take on that higher risk, you sort of expect or hope for a higher return. Yeah, so the next thing I did was then look at the Australian landscape and say, like, what are the mid-cap companies yeah. in Australia? What can we actually invest in? So number one, there was an ETF that I found, which love we it. love an ETF when we don't really know everything. <laughs> and then that told me what was in the mid-cap space. So Van Eck does an ETF yep. with the ticker MVE. Okay. And interestingly, it has things like carsales.com, um, CleanAway, REA, group which is realestate.com if you're a renter you've probably used that site before yeah so it kind of was like cool because it gives you a lot of like diversity yeah but in saying that a lot of the top 10 companies are like in mining and coal so it's not a super sustainable one good to know and very exciting because next week we have lined up Eleanor Swanson to do an episode. She is a small cap investor from Firetrail Investments. And we're going to be learning more about this space and how to invest in it. True, actually. Great so we're going to get like, yeah, that's such good timing because today I was fully doing research being like, how do I learn about mid cap stocks? I'm such a sucker for next an article. Week, let's go. <laughs> okay. So to summarize, lesson number one is chip away keep investing at regular intervals even though the market is down and maybe look to some smaller or medium sized companies if especially if your portfolio is weighted on the bigger side lesson number two is earnings ratios offer clues and this was from alexis wheatley who's a wealth advisor at wheatley wealth management okay 
We're going to have to explain this one. (laughs) Earnings ratios. Okay, what do we mean by that? Let's start with the basics. So earnings ratio is PE ratio, which is price to earnings ratio. Okay. And even though we've spoken about this on the podcast before, I every single time still have to go look it up and remind myself how to explain it and how to understand it. Same. (laughs) Okay, so price to earnings ratio, pretty much it's what it's trying to tell us is that it compares the price of the stock to how much money it the stock is making. Okay. So, for example, I'll give you some numbers so it starts to make sense. If you have a price to earnings ratio of 10 times, you would earn $1, Maddie Guest. Mm-hmm. You got that $1 in your pocket for every $10 you put into the stock market. So, you got that in your head. So, if you put in $10, you make $1. Got it. So, then if you've got a price to earnings ratio of, say, 20, yeah. that means you earn $1 on every $20 okay. you put into the stock market. Makes sense. So how do I know what a good PE ratio is? So pretty much what it's trying to show you is whether something is considered expensive or not expensive. So your $10 one you'd consider maybe a bit cheaper than your $20 one. Yeah. What you would consider expensive or not it has to be based on the industry. So for example, if you have something like Coles and Woolies or supermarkets, and let's just say their PE ratio sit around the 20 mark, but Woolies PE ratio was sitting at 50, you would consider that expensive. So Woolies is more expensive than Coles in that instance. So I think the key takeaway here is there's not necessarily one PE ratio that is good or bad, but it's about comparing to, I guess, a company's competitors or comparing a company to the other companies in the industry. Yes. And what this article was saying is that Over 2020, we had a lot of companies be overvalued because people were pumping money into the markets and you were seeing crazy valuations. Which is why we all made so much money on our investments. Yeah, (laughs) not anymore. But what they were saying is that now things are starting to come down. So it's a factor to maybe look at. And like, you don't need to be advanced in this stuff. Like it's just, it's honestly just a Google. Like I Googled Woolies and Coles. Woolies P ratio, by the way, isn't 50. I think it's like lower than Coles. That was going to be my next question is where do you actually find this information? Are you going to companies' financial reports or? You can just literally Google. Yeah. Woolies P ratio, Coles P ratio. And then the superma- Australian supermarket average P ratio. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, they were just saying that watch these ratios come down potentially. And if they're sitting really high, then maybe a stock is still kind of sitting in the COVID bubble, kind of needs to be hit by the inflationary impacts, interest rates, etc. Yeah. I guess that's an interesting comparison to see where the PE ratio is sitting now compared to where it was six to 12 months ago. Yeah, exactly. But one thing I would caution is that Every industry can be quite sporadic. Like, for example, tech. Mm. Tech PE ratios historically have like been considered quite high. And some people would say that if there's a high PE ratio, it means that it's like got more room to grow. Yes. So it is good to com- try and compare similar companies so you get a bit of an understanding for it. Yeah, because I guess the other side to that story is people are willing to pay a higher price for a company that they see a lot of potential growth in the future for than they would for a more stable company. Therefore, the PE ratio is going to be higher. Exactly. Now, I historically have never looked at PE ratio. I was going to say, have you ever actually tracked the PE ratio of a company? Never. Neither. Because, (laughs) but to be honest, like until I read this article, I was like, I didn't really think of it as useful, which I might sound dumb to some people or might sound really normal to others. 
But like reading that, it made a lot of sense. I was like, oh yeah, if you like compare and you can see if something's overvalued after a time where there has been a lot of overvaluation, Mm. then it's like right now in this exact moment, it's a really useful ratio. Yeah. I think something that I would like to get better at doing, this is me putting it on the record to try and keep myself accountable, is when I have an idea about a new investment, actually tracking it for a while. Like I think what I do is... I come up with the idea that I have and I think about it. I read about the company, but I don't actually like track the price of the stock, so to speak, which I think is because I have that long-term mind frame, right? So I'm like, it's going to go up hopefully if my thesis is right over the long term. But I think I would like to become better at actually tracking things like, for example, the P ratio to maybe guide myself a little bit more. Yeah, like dabble a little bit more in the financial yeah. bit to really get an understanding of the company. I mean, we I, we literally work in finance and, yeah, <laughs> I don't apply any of the skills that I learned there in my own personal investments. It's kind of concerning. But also you don't even need the finance. Like it's no. a simple Google. You just yeah. need to know what the – but it, sometimes it's so hard to wrap your head around. Oh, my God, it took me like an hour today working yeah. at ratio until like you get one solid example and you're like, okay, I got it. <laughs> so after I just said that there's no – actual good PA ratio and you need to compare it to the industry. The article actually does say that there is a good PA ratio. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think like an industry, not an industry, I think a general rule of thumb is that like below 15 is a really cheap, not not really cheap, it's a cheaper PA ratio. Okay. So if you... Good to keep that in the back of your mind. Exactly. But also like if there's an industry where the the average is eight, then it's not cheap. But it's just like an industry rule of thumb and the article says, look for a PA ratio between 15 to 18. I feel like in the last... (laughs) three minutes we have just said things and then contradicted ourselves on repeat I want to look at the financials but I also don't care about them they're hard they're easy don't care what they are this is the right number oh my god but of course I was like all right well what PE ratio sitting under 15 then so what did I go and do googled love it guess who's under 15 Macquarie, a yes. classic old Macquarie. Really? 14, That's so interesting. 14.7. The reason why I find that interesting is because that is one of the shares that for me has actually continued to be in the green when everything else has gone in the red. So in my mind, Macquarie's share prices would be high, yeah. which means that maybe the PE ratio wouldn't be so good. So that's good to know. Yeah. But I guess what's relevant then is what's like the average for the banking sector. Is that really high compared to its competitors? This is live researching, folks. Average Australian bank PE ratio is 14.4. Wow. Because if it was lower, I was going to caveat that by saying whilst Macquarie is a bank, they also have a lot of other parts of their business like asset management and things like that. So it's not so much of a straight up black compared to other banks, but... Similar, interesting. Very interesting. Wonder what that means. <laughs> and NAB is, yeah, 14.8. So they're obviously all sitting around a similar. Yeah. But you'd maybe kind of expect that a little bit because like banks are, you know, over COVID people were still putting money into them. True. They weren't as affected by this whole overvaluation kind of hype. And banks are doing well at the moment, I believe, because they benefit from interest rate increases. They're going to get more money in their pockets. So to summarise lesson number two, it's, if you want to dabble in it, look at the financials, maybe have a look at PE ratio, start getting familiar with it. And if you've been investing in spaces which have been overvalued maybe during the COVID period, just to consider it as a metric to use in your next thesis building. 
We would love to know if you want to learn more about this area and maybe we can do some episodes on it in the future. Otherwise, if you do have questions, please send us a DM at YIGC podcast on Instagram or jump in our Facebook group because we love talking about it. We want to talk more. We want to learn. Lesson number three is it's impossible to pick the bottom, which we've said (laughs) lots, but net zero trend is worth watching. And this is from Blair Hannon, the head of investment strategy at Global X ETFs. Look, <laughs> I'm looking, I'm looking to the future because the past ain't pretty. No. Well, yeah, the last, the, this year hasn't been, has it? No. But like we've said before, and we will say again, unfortunately, there is no way to pick the bottom. We don't have a crystal ball and we cannot see into the future, but I do still think that hearing all these different perspectives is a really interesting way to sort of I don't know, I guess engage in your own investing journey. Yes. Well, I thought this lesson was interesting in particular as well because there's been a lot of hype around investing in sustainability and climate change or whatever, but no one's really seen – I mean, people have seen the benefit of it, but it's being slaughtered a little bit at the moment by what's happening in the market. So this lesson was just be patient. There's funds Mm. coming through to it. We're going through a pretty crappy time. And if this crappy time, like, wasn't happening, maybe you'd be taking off a little bit more, which I find interesting. Well, I think a lot of the companies in this space, which we're going to go into in a second, are small sort of startup type companies that aren't necessarily your big profit generating companies that we sort of know on the ASX. Yeah. The Blair actually talks about a couple of areas that he's particularly interested in, and they are battery technology, hydrogen, carbon allowances, and green metals. Yeah, which are all areas I find interesting but I really struggle in this space because in a previous lesson that we had with an Emma Fisher episode that we did we were talking about like investing in profit making companies Mm. and because a lot of these companies as you said are small and they're growing they're investing a lot they're not actually making a profit yet because all their profits are going towards building their company yeah so I really am in a bit of a tricky mindset of where do I invest for sustainability reasons but do so without the worry of, well, I don't know if they're going to have money to make it to tomorrow. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that we often talk about is a transition company. So looking at what the big companies are doing at the moment, I mean, there's lots going on in the news with energy companies in Australia at the moment, Origin, AGL. So I think like there are a lot of big companies that are in this space that are trying to transition. So I think that's another space to look at as well. I was like waiting for you to bring up the whole Mike Cannonbrooks. (laughs) I didn't even say his name. I know. I held my tongue. I feel like someone that's in the 2000s and they're watching the internet being like, is it going to take off? Because I know, like, I know it is, but I'm so worried about, because I've been burnt by so many loss making (laughs) companies, you know, it's not because I don't believe in sustainability and climate change. And I think all the technology is amazing, but I'm like, I don't know where to put my money because I don't know which one's going to take off. And like, they're not on loss making though. No, I know. But a lot of the exciting ones are. Yeah. So I've got to look for, as you said, like a transitioning company or someone that's got profits and I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into it because I've been so burnt this year. <laughs> I lost got making, PTSD. I have PTSD. And you know what's so funny? The first thing I do now when I'm looking at new companies is literally their financial statements of just their profit and Good. loss. Good. Look at you learning. I know because I'm like, is there a profit? Mm-mm. Yeah. Out. Like I found a really cool company the other day and that we they spoke about at FinFest. One of the investors spoke about a company called Calyx. Yes. Which they do this. Come really, up a few times. Such a cool technology, which honestly, when you read about it, you're like, this is going to save the world. But then <laughs> they're loss making. But you know what? I think we need to premise this 
topic by saying you the reason why you are avoiding loss making companies at the moment is because your portfolio is heavily weighted to loss making companies it's not to say that you shouldn't invest in loss making companies see this is why you need a psychologist (laughs) because you just laid out all my emotional thoughts and said it really plainly to me and now I understand what's going on in my brain how good's therapy (laughs) yes so to rehash it is impossible to pick the bottom so stop trying But net zero is a really interesting area to watch. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, but we'll be right back to jump into the final two lessons. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So lesson number four, I found the most interesting, took the most out of. Tell me. Keep your eye on the fear gauge. What is the fear gauge is the question that's happening in your brain. Well, first of all, who gave us that lesson? (laughs) If it's your favourite one, you've got to credit them. I love you just thinking then, who said that? (laughs) What is that? So the lesson is by Todd Hoare, who's the head of equities at LGT Crestone. Go, Todd. Go, Todd. (laughs) So what's the second question you're thinking? (laughs) (laughs) What's the fear gauge? Tell me. So he said that there is this thing called, well, he didn't say it's it's been in existence for a while, (laughs) but there's this thing called the VIX or the VIX volatility index. Oh, I do know this. Yeah. I feel like maybe you've even told me about it before because it kind of rang a bell when I looked it up again. Yeah. Is there a VIX ETF, like a volatility? Mm, Don't know. Not sure. Maybe. Keep going. (laughs) (laughs) And it pretty much is an index or a represents like what you'd see like a share graph or whatever but it represents the market's expectations of volatility over the 30 days that are coming yes so if you're on your phone right now google vix and you'll be able to see the little graph and it will give a lot more context to what we're saying but if you're driving and you need to picture it (laughs) i want you to imagine a graph with line going from left to right And when there are periods of lots of uncertainty, so for example, the global financial crisis or just before COVID or during COVID, imagine big spikes. Like a heart. Like a heart. Yes, yes, yes. What do you call it? monitors. Your mum's a doctor. What's it called? I don't know. You should know this. What is it called? A heart monitor. The beep. Yeah, one of those that you see the heartbeat. So imagine that. And when it's stressful times, high volatility, it spikes up really quickly. Yeah. And his lesson was, so also to give context, the straight bit of the line sits at around like the 12 mark. And then these big spikes, um, the GFC got up to about 80. And during the... 80 what? 
80, 80, <laughs> just 80. Got it. 80 heartbeats a minute. <laughs> 80. Stressful times. Yep. So the normal <laughs> line. Up, heart rate's up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, that's actually what it is. It's a good analogy. So the global financial crisis was sitting at like 80 and then the time during the March 2020 period, it got to about 65. So they're big spikes compared to the like around 12 mark. Mm. And what his lesson was is that when this index hits about like 40 and just above 40, that's where they start to think the bottom is. But I don't know how true that is because obviously the global financial crisis went to 80, which is double 40. And historical performance is not a predictor of future. Absolutely not. But it was interesting because I had never really looked at this graph associated with this graph. But do you know where it's sitting at the moment? Oh, what is it? 22, 23. And what was the average? Eight. Around 10 to 12. Okay. So. It's up. It's volatile times. It's volatile times, but if we're talking 40, we still got another 20 to go. We've got to double. Or 100%. Yeah, we've got 100%. (laughs) That's a lot. So I guess if we zoom out a little bit, in times of volatility, it basically means that share prices are moving a lot, right? Yeah. Volatile up and down. So I guess what Todd then goes on to allude to is the fact that in times of volatility, when we do get this share price movement, big jumps, big ups and downs, there are chances to buy really quality companies at lower than normal prices. Yeah. So like have your little volatility index radar in the back of your mind thinking, where are we at? Which I guess links back nicely to the previous lesson about P-E ratio. Maybe some of those quality companies that you're looking for, because of high VIX, <laughs> the P-E ratio has come down. <laughs> We're going to have to do a graph. We're going to have to visualize that. <laughs> so wrapping up lesson number four, it's just to keep in mind that there's something called the VIX index. It talks all about volatility and Todd thinks that if you hit around 40, that's where you start to see the bottom, which by the way, this is nothing to do with financial advice. This is not financial advice. But also that (laughs) with this volatility comes opportunities to invest in companies that you like. 100%. Now, lesson number five, the final lesson. I got to the end of the article. took me a while to get there. (laughs) I'm a slow reader. Mm. Are you a fast reader? Uh, Depends how much I want to take in. Okay. Like I can skim and get the gist, but depends how much I want to learn. Lesson number five is there is still more room to fall, even that's what Todd's saying because we're only at 20 on the VIX (laughs) index. So dollar cost averaging could be the solution. And this was by Helen Nan, the principal at Plan for Your Future. This is probably my favourite piece of advice. Yeah, and it's the one that we harp on about all the time because I think it just reflects you and me so perfectly. We're not experts. We have no idea. We have some idea. We've been doing this for two years. We've been talking to a lot of two people. Years. I know. But just to stay consistent and yeah. like to keep it in your routine. Like once you take three months off, like it's so hard to think again about it. Yeah. You know? And I think depending on how long you have been investing, you may or may not have seen or experienced, I guess, the benefit of staying consistent. Yeah. I know, and I've definitely talked about this before, but getting in during COVID when the market did come off and was lower and I managed to keep investing consistently during that period. Now that the market is higher than where it was, I can still see, even though things are down at the moment, the payoff of that. Yeah. And I think that has been such incredible perspective at a time like this when the market has gone down. Kind of reminds me of the f- a first bit of the article um, from the first lesson, Adrian. He actually, there was a quote in the article that said, like employing these strategies and whatever, being consistent and because he said chip away, 
when you look back, it'll really help with your investing confidence because you'll come out of this down cycle richer, not only in terms of financially, hopefully in the future, mm. but with that confidence because you have the persistence to kind of stick through it. Yeah. And I think that's really true because like say you invest throughout this whole period and you see it keep going down and eventually it goes back up at least like the next time it happens, it's I've done this before. Yeah. I can keep going. It kind of gives you that like validation. A hundred percent. And you don't know when the bottom is happening. You don't know when the best days or the worst days in the stock market are going to take place. And often there are really big movements in one day. So I think if you want to be in it, then consistency is key. So her summary of her lesson is stay on course and stick to your long-term goals. Love it. Pina coladas. <laughs> Margaritas. <laughs> I know, I don't know why I've changed to pina coladas. I've always been a margarita yeah. lady, but now just pina coladas right. sound fun. We're going to be different. Yeah. All right, so recommendations, what have you got for me this week? This week I have got um, Hamish Blake's new podcast. Oh, my gosh, I've been wondering about this. Yeah, it's called How Are the Dads Dad? <laughs> is this two weeks in a row or very recently you also recommended a parenting podcast? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I did. What is going on? Nothing's going on, can promise, but it was actually just on my recommended page yeah. on the podcast thing and then you see Hamish Blake's face yeah, and you're like, I'm working home from work, I want something funny. Yes, and then you click it. Also feels like I was talking to a friend about this the other day saying it's so weird that I saw Hamish has a new podcast and I want to listen to it because it's literally about being a dad. I know. Like, that just couldn't be further from my own personal life. Well, his first guest is Hugh Van... Yeah, yeah. Hugh Van Kallenberg. Love. So... Imperfect. <laughs> and it's just so funny. And you know what's also really funny? But I never knew which one Hugh was oh. on the Imperfects. Yeah, okay. And so then and I listen you know. and I'm like, oh, that's him. <laughs> His voice is the really distinct one. Yeah. I wonder if people say that about us. They don't know who's Maddie, who's Sophie. Probably. I'm Maddie, guys. I'm Sophie. (laughs) What's your recommendation? I'm going to sneak in two. I listened to the new episode of Diary of a CEO yesterday with Whitney Wolfherd, one of our favourites. All-time goal, I think, to get on the podcast. Yeah. CEO and founder of Bumble. It was such an incredible episode. In particular, I really love she talked about what they did in the early days to get traction with Bumble and sort of get it off the ground in terms of their original ideas around marketing and advertising. And it's just so clever. Yeah. They talked about how they, um, one story was they used to send people into class at college 15 minutes late wearing a Bumble t-shirt and they'd walk in, make a big like kerfuffle and they'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm in the wrong class and then walk out again. But they would have everyone looking at that person and everyone seeing their Bumble t-shirt. Wow. And I was like, that is such an incredible way to get people familiar with a brand. Yeah. It's so smart. Like who's that annoying person? Yeah. <laughs> so that is my first recommendation. My second one, oh, I feel a bit... Like, like bad recommending this because I feel like I always recommend the imperfects but this is probably one of my favorite episodes ever on the show it was the two-part episode with Kate Reed who literally combines like the two loves of my life which is Formula One and food she used to work at Williams for those who know Formula One as an aerospace engineer and talks about the incredibly intense environment that she experienced there Trigger warning, she also talks about her the eating disorder that she sort of developed during that time um, and then how she sort of came back to Australia and found herself creating what is now Loon, which is like the best croissants ever yeah. based in Melbourne. So incredible 
really, really, really cool story. Yeah, she's a really good speaker as well. Like yes. very engaging, easy to listen to, which I really liked. Would love to get her on the podcast. That would be pretty yeah. cool. Everyone's just a dream yeah. guest. <laughs> True, I keep saying that. Well, Maddie, thanks for taking the time today oh, to chat you. with me. <laughs> Right back at you. You're, you're a guest. No, I'm joking. Oh, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> no, but seriously, if you're enjoying these episodes, um, feel free to share with a friend. We are coming up to a new year and people are looking to change their money habits, get into investing, save a little bit more, recommend them back to our summer series. Which is almost a year ago now. but investing conversations every millennial should have that six-parter, which is really, I think, the perfect way to get started in this space. Find us on Instagram at YIGC Podcast. On Facebook at YIGC Investing a Podcast Discussion Group. And leave a review, write a review, subscribe, do all that jazz. We'll be eternally grateful. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Catch you next week. Bye. You have been listening to an Equity Mates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equity Mates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. 